Today I'm interviewing Becca Rust. She's a nurse in the intensive care unit. She's a mom, she's an awesome person um, and in general. She kicks butt in every single way. She's super athletic, she's outgoing, she's kind, she's humble. Um, and of course, she's a nurse, which always brings to light those wonderful human beings. Thank you nurses out there. Um, I can only imagine how she's doing right now dealing with the coronavirus. So I wanted to give her a call and see how she's doing. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Hey, how are okay. you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Oh my God, you look gorgeous. How I've been seeing you in so long. How are you doing? I know, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> okay. Oh I know we're meeting under crazy circumstances again. Right? Oh my gosh. I yeah, last time I saw you was um, the wedding, which was phenomenal, by the Oh, way. thank you. Well, and we came down to Santa Monica, so that oh, was fun. Right. That's right. We did our little beach adventure, which I, know. I, I love, but it's closed, I think, now. So <laughs> I think that's how most things are here, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so... I have to ask you, I mean, I, I know you, so I know everything about you, but um, I kind of want everyone to know what was life like for you before this epidemic we're currently facing? So. Yeah. Um, I mean, good. <laughs> Very normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as I'm sure you already said, um, I'm a nurse in the intensive care. So um, my job is always a little bit high stress, but I think a lot of us who choose jobs like that thrive in that environment. So um, job was always stressful, right? Everyone knows nursing is difficult. Hospital nursing is um, stressful. So job was always tough. And then my husband, Mike, is an EMT finishing up his paramedicine program. So again, job is always a little bit stressful and tough. Um, and then we always feel kind of like we're bringing stuff home to the kids. So we yeah. have two kids, they're 11 and eight. Um, but good, right? We always, we felt like super healthy and involved and very like knowledgeable about the work that we're doing and the things that we're treating and helping with. And, um, and then, yeah, just normal life. Like we like to stay active. We're like pretty avid hikers with yeah. our two dogs and we like to hang out and like go to the movies and go out to dinner with friends, grab drinks, like do all the things that involve social. Yeah. <laughs> social <laughs> gatherings and like yeah. stepping foot outside. So yeah, this has been a huge change. I think, um, you know, we like to do all the things that normal people like to do to stay active and healthy and at the top of their game. And so it's been a huge change for us. Yeah. I mean, I can, only, I, I don't have kids as you know, but it, I can't imagine having two little ones right now and, and having to stay inside. And then on top of that, it's like, you are, you're walking into an environment when you go to work that, I mean, I, I have to go pick up a prescription and cause they won't mail it to me. And I don't want to go because I don't want to be near anyone who's sick. So I, I can, I can only imagine, can you tell, like, I, I, I give you so much credit, honestly, on for anyone who's, um, not anyone, everyone who is going into the hospital and helping people, um, and, you know, doing everything that they were already doing previously to help people. But now it's even more, I, I would, I would imagine intense. What is it like? 
Yeah. And it's been, it's been this evolution, right? I remember in January, um, you know, having just like a family dinner, my father-in-law, Mike's dad was like, Oh, Becca, have you heard of this coronavirus like going on in China? And I will be the first to admit that I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, have you even heard of the flu? Like blah, blah, you know, comparing it to the flu, which I think some people are still doing, which is it, right, you know, to each their own, but um, it's not the flu, it's different than the flu, but I was like that, and I remember the buzz starting in the hospital, like, okay, like, how to prepare for this, and I remember thinking, like, is this coming here, like, is this mm-hmm. something we really need to be worried about, um, as someone, you know, this is my first pandemic in my, my life, right, and I was actually talking to my dad, he's never lived through anything like this, so you kind of you kind of downplay it for a while because if you haven't been through it and you don't experience it you think like oh everything's going to be fine because that's our blissful naiveness to think that um now in the hospital i mean it's everything it's everything that anybody's talking about um there's so many changes right now in the hospital that i've never seen before first and foremost like i said it's it's the only thing anyone's ever talking about. Like we're very stressed. Everyone's stressed about their patients being sick, their patients having it, them being exposed, them bringing it home, you know, our coworkers getting it and then us being exposed to them. And then things are really different in general. I don't know how it is in California, but I know starting last Saturday, we do, we don't allow any visitors in the hospital, like none at all. So I mean, imagine if, you know, your family member, so there's a couple exceptions. Pediatrics can have one family member. So like if the kids got hospitalized right now, either me or Mike would be there, not, not both. Wow. And with OB, it's the same thing, like one person. So like, you know, a mother and a husband can't be there. You got to pick one. And then for one of the really like disheartening things is the other exception is end of life care. So that's the only other time that we allow visitors is when a patient is passing away. And that is such a dynamic that has played into like specifically nursing care. Not that like our physicians and RTs and CNAs, right? Like I'm not saying this, that everybody isn't amazing, but nurses are in that room like for 12 hours and, you know, taking those phone calls because they cannot visit their family member. So their family member could be COVID positive. They could be in there for nothing even related to COVID. It could be like a car crash trauma. It could be, you know, like liver stuff or cancer or, you know, just the plethora of other things that brings you to the hospital. And they they can't have visitors, which I think is such a psychological stress. And, and I think, I think we're in uncharted territory here. I don't think that we know like what kind of stress that's going to cause patients and family members to go through that and not be able to visit their loved ones um, and not be able to have a loved one with them, you know? So I think that that is a huge dynamic that like we're facing right now that has obviously changed. I've, I've never experienced anything like that in the hospital and it was really really difficult to navigate the beginning of so that's a huge change and then um the you know i think one of the other biggest things for us is staying on top of policy changes like mm-hmm. 
you know, and they change daily and our management teams are doing like a phenomenal job. I think of, you know, gosh, how hard for them they're trying, you know, it comes down the ladder, you know, like they're trying to get these policy changes from their bosses and then relay them to us in a timely manner. And, um, and like I said, it changes daily. So, um, I think something that you guys have probably heard a lot about is the lack of like protective equipment. So that yeah. is like gowns and masks and eyewear. So, um, for a couple things in the hospital, like MRSA and VRE are like these antibiotic resistant bacterias that a lot of patients can obtain like in the hospital or outside. Anyway, they're just harder to treat. So anybody in our hospital, and I'm speaking only for our like healthcare system, we would put on those like blue plastic gowns and like glove up and go into the room. Mm -hmm. So all of that has put, been put by the wayside. So we basically do not put on a gown obviously we still put on gloves, but we don't put on a gown for anything except for COVID rule out rooms. So we don't gown up for that kind of stuff. And we don't, um, use N95 masks in the way we would, which those are those like specially fit face masks for airborne precautions, things that like travel in the air that you would use for like TB or, you know, COVID. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's just a big change. Like it's a, it's a big change. Cause you know, as a nurse, sometimes you even think like, oh gosh, you know, the next task I'm going to do is kind of gross. I'm going to throw on a gown just because I, I want to. Yeah. And that was a luxury that we had before. And, and we truly, truly don't have that luxury anymore. So wow. they're being saved for what is right now, like the highest risk situation and which I think appropriately so. Um, but so lots of changes, lots of changes in the hospital. It's hard to stay on top of all of them. It's hard to communicate to the families and to the patients and to each other. Like, wait, are you supposed to be doing that? Wait, are, you know, are we testing for that? Or shoot, this patient, like all of a sudden has respiratory issues. And, you know, it's, it's super hard to navigate in the middle of everything. Right. I, I can't even imagine being in that situation and wanting to put on a gown just for your own personal protection. I mean, you're not sick. You're there literally to help everyone in every situation and you don't even have that protection available. Yeah, it's, it gets a, it gets a little scary. I think I'm, I'm very lucky in the way, like I try and think of things big picture, but I know, I know other people, it affects them a lot more and, and it, and it is a little bit scary. It's always kind of scary, not knowing like exactly what you're walking into, but then to not even just have like the satisfying pleasure of like putting on a protective barrier, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and it is scary. I think the important thing is like to try and just stay like up to date on our policies and up to date on things. So we're not like working and thinking out of fear. We're just like trying to do what's best for the situation at hand. At least that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to not think of it as scary. I'm trying to just think of it as necessary. Yeah. And I love, I love what you said that you're not doing things out of fear. You're doing things out of precaution and per the protocol that keeps changing, but there are rules in place. So it's not just a complete chaotic area. There, there is things that you're following, right? Yes, totally. Yeah. And even if they change all the time, like they are, I know that management and everybody involved is working their butt off trying to get 
the most latest and updated like protocols and policies out. And I, I truly believe that they're trying to think of us. They're trying to know that like, you know, the employees, the RTs, the CNAs, you know, phlebotomists, like everybody, the food, like the cafeteria workers, housekeeping, like all the different people. There's a lot of people that they have to think about, you know, it's not just nurses. And so I can't imagine their side of things either. It would be really difficult. Yeah. No. And that's, thank you for bringing that up too. Cause it's, it's everyone working together. And I think there's a lot of focus right now on nurses, rightfully so. And this is why I wanted to talk to you and bring you on the podcast specifically to highlight what you're doing and to help educate people who potentially still right now are thinking it's not a big deal, especially those that are younger. I mean, I've heard this like, Oh, I'm young. I'm fine. It's, it's older people that need to worry, but in actuality, it, it actually, it affects everyone. I mean, yeah. it's what, what would you say it, if it's not comparing it to the flu, would you, what, what is the best comparison just so people can kind of understand like the severity of it. So they know yeah. even, even though we don't, I, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I hate social distancing. I like being social. I like going out, but like, right. I, I think of my parents, I think of my parents who are older and God forbid I walk, you know, I, cause you can be my understanding too. correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, it's, it can be out there and I can have, I, I can be infected by it and I don't instantly feel it. Right. But I could, oh, of course. Yeah. Ages. Right. So a couple differences from the flu. Um, number one, it's more contagious than the flu. It is docile for longer than the flu. So for exactly what you were saying, like you, you can go asymptomatic or without any symptoms for longer than the flu. Um, and it's different than the flu because the flu has been around and we know that there's multiple strains and we already have like an active vaccine for, you know, we try, right? Like not to like start this topic on the flu vaccine, but you know, we try and like, um, protect our community from the flu already. This is, this is like uncharted territory. I think one of the most, there's a couple like really dangerous things about this right now. One, like I said, it's, it's more contagious. It acts faster. So what it, this virus does is it damages the epithelial layer of your lungs, which, you know, doesn't need to mean very much, but it damages. And once that damage is done, it's not really repairable. Your lungs aren't organs that can regenerate the way your liver can. So it damages this epithelial protective layer of your lungs, which exposes what are called like alveoli. And those are sacs that like help us breathe. Like when we inhale air, it helps keep like some positive pressure in our lungs when we exhale. So, and then once those alveoli are like more exposed too, that's like why people are getting pneumonia. And that's why, that's kind of what people are dying from with this coronavirus is they're getting this really severe pneumonia. Um, speaking to what you were saying about like younger people are thinking that they're not getting it. I mean, daily it's, oh, there's a 12 year old on a ventilator tested positive with coronavirus. I think the most recent thing I, thing I read was a seven month year old tested positive with coronavirus. So it's definitely more prevalent in, right? Like the 16 above, those with comorbidities, those who are smokers, those who already have lung issues. And we know that. So I think, I think the like not taking it seriously and the not thinking that it's a big deal coming from someone who initially did think that 
I, I would just like urge you to try and get on that board. And I would try and say like, don't quarantine, don't social distance out of fear or panic or, you know, like that stuff, do it like out of respect. You should definitely do it from a place of kindness. And that's a huge thing that Mike and I have been doing with the kids is teaching them like, we're not doing this because we're fearful or because we're panicked, right? We're not like going out and stocking up on a ton of stuff. We're doing it out of respect for those who are more vulnerable than us, those who are sicker than us, those who don't have the same resources as us, like to maybe be able to like buy a nice healthy stock load of groceries and be able to hang out in the house for four days. Like not everybody has those luxuries and some people have different like socioeconomic things going on or health issues going on. And that's why we quarantine, right? That's why we stay in our houses and stay home. We should be doing it for like out of kindness and respect for other people. And that's, that's what we've tried to teach the kids that what we're trying, that's what we're trying to remember. That's what I would just urge, (laughs) urge people Ah. to do who don't think it's, who don't think it's serious because it is real and it is in the hospitals and, and healthcare workers are getting sick and, and people whose jobs were deemed essential who aren't healthcare workers, like they're getting sick and and people are getting exposed. And then the other thing I was going to say about the flu that's so scary is we do not know how many people are positive right now because um, I don't think that I wish, I wish we would test more. That's like a big thing. I wish, and it's really interesting to hear different like physicians and different people around the hospital speak about it because people really do have different opinions. Like some, I've heard some physicians say like, no, we shouldn't test because so um, like I was telling you with protective equipment, PPE, we are doing this huge, our, let me think of how to say this. So our protocol for the rooms that are quote unquote rule out COVID rooms. So these are patients who have come in with respiratory issues and were tested for COVID and were waiting for their results. So during that time that they're in the rule out period, this is one of our new protocols. Um, and I don't know if it's different. I honestly haven't been to work in like four days and it could have changed already. But the last time I was there, I had a COVID rule out room. And this is what you do. You like hand sanitize, you put on the plastic gown, you put on the gloves, and then you put on protective eyewear or like a droplet mask with like the plastic face shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the droplet surgical mask. It's not like the N95. And this is with patients on specifically ventilators. So their like air system is this closed system, which is why you don't need the airborne mask on at that time. Mm-hmm. So every time you go in the room, you do that whole process and then you go in the room, do whatever you need to do. And then the process for leaving is you de-gown and de-glove, hand sanitize, put on new fresh gloves. And then it's a little, I'm, I might not be speaking to this perfectly, but my understanding is because then you grab your mask because you don't want to touch anything that may have been exposed with your bare hands. So with your new gloves, you like open the door and do the mask like at the same time kind of thing. It's, I always like hold my breath when I do it just to, I don't know. But so that's our process. But imagine if like you go in there and you're in the room for 30 minutes to try and cluster your care, try and do everything to save PPE but then an alarm goes off or an IV starts beeping or I mean, just, you know, any number of things you have to go right back in. And so then it's the whole process again. So 
I heard a doctor saying that they don't think that we should be testing in order to save PPE or because in patients who she said that every test should be coming from an infectious disease physician specifically, which at our hospital, I think, I don't know how many there are, but I know their department is not 24 seven. You know, maybe they are right now during this COVID outbreak, but that would really limit the number of people we're testing. But I know that her intentions were good in speaking about that because it's to try and save like personal protective equipment. But it's, it's really hard. So you have people who think like that, like limit the number of tests for those who maybe only really fit the criteria to say PPE for staff, mm-hmm. or should we just test as many people as possible so that we can get as many numbers and as much data and facts as we can. But then our protective equipment is just like, you know. Yeah, no, that's, I, I've heard a lot of that actually in that it's, it's the equipment itself. There's super low supply, just like across the board. And additionally, the tests themselves are in such low supply. Yeah. So it's this ruling out because you don't want to, both are merit, right? They both, they both make sense. Um, one is thinking the long haul, like this isn't going to go away tomorrow and you don't want to screw over people potentially a few weeks, a month, whatever from now who are like, Oh, we don't have anything, you know, now what do you do? So uh, I, I have to, First of all, I have to applaud you for for being in this situation and going in and 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 working with the situation we have right now, knowing that the supplies is low and the protocols changing. I know so many people um, get frustrated when change comes, but you're so positive and proactive. And I also just want to speak back to how you talk to your kids about you you do things out of respect, you don't do things out of fear, because my whole thing. And I mentioned this before, in terms of me kind of isolating myself, I I always think of my parents, but I also think of healthcare workers. And I also think of those that are delivering packages to me. I also think of those that are in the grocery stores bagging groceries um, and the drivers who are driving supplies to people. I mean, those people are really putting themselves out there and, and potentially exposing themselves. So if the only request of me is to just be conscientious of where I am and do social distancing, that is the least I could do. Yeah. Of, uh, and, and it's like, just sit on the couch and chill out. I, mean, I like- know exactly. And I think that that's such a good way of putting it. Like if this is what is, I mean, like we've mentioned, this is a world pandemic. Like this is global. This is a serious issue. It's creating like a huge economic, and I could not speak about that. That's above my knowledge level, but it's creating this huge rift. And if all that's being asked of us, like while we're at home is to just stay there, like just stay there, stay with your family. It's, um, it is really challenging because if there is a way that you are being told as like a quote unquote non-essential worker, obviously, you know, I think all work is essential, but you know, if you're being told that you're not an essential worker and you can work from home or do these other things, like you said, there are so many people who aren't given that opportunity, you know, more so than healthcare workers, but, you know, speaking to what I know best, like, right. The day that I am not allowed to go to work, 
That's no good. <laughs> like, yeah. And so, you know, like I don't have a choice. Mike doesn't have a choice. Like, like you said, the grocery workers don't have a choice. Like so many of us don't have that option. And so we look to others to, to take more of that responsibility, like stay at home, don't go to parks, don't go to this and that, like do take out, do dine in or not, do not dine in like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It is crazy when, like you said, that's all that's being asked of you and it is a respect thing. And I, and I think I understand it when people, like we've said, like you have this like naive, blissful ignorance, like it would never happen to me, but, but it can. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I also, I also really appreciate you kind of, um, explaining what, um, the, the virus is in terms of your knowledge base. I know you've been, you've been a nurse in intensive care for four years now. That's, is that right? Um, I'm newer to intensive care, but I've been a nurse for four years. For four years. Okay. So, and I just want to caveat this because again, this is just my friend Becca, who's a nurse who works in the intensive care unit and is giving knowledge that she is aware of and she is educated. Obviously she's a nurse, she's working her butt off. Um, but don't, this is, if you have an issue, if you feel sick, uh, go seek your healthcare provider. Do not take this as any instruction um, in terms of any, any, this is just her explaining what she knows as a medical professional. But if you do not feel okay, you need to seek out medical attention from your healthcare provider and from your doctor. So I just want to say that because, yes, you know, but I wanted to highlight you and I wanted just, you are knowledgeable. Um, and I wanted to better understand too, what you're going through and what you're personally experiencing. And I just, um, I know you're busy, you're a busy mom um, on your day off right now, but I just want to touch on how is it with Mike and the kids being at home? Cause there's a lot of moms out there too, that are just kind of like, okay, I got my kids 24 seven now. So like, how, how has that been going to you guys? Um, and again, I think you're so positive and uplifting. Um, and I, I just want to, I just want to see what, what you've been doing and what you've been up to. Yeah. Um, so for us at the beginning, it was kind of right. It's spring break time. So we were expecting a week home initially. Um, yes, Erin, that was a really good caveat. I'm not giving any medical advice. If you're sick or if you have any questions, please call your doctor or call a COVID hotline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good caveat. But yeah. So just like any parents, like we're not perfect. Um, I think at the beginning of this, we're like, okay, we're going to have the kids set an alarm, wake up, dress, brush your teeth, do breakfast, reading, clarinet playing, maybe some online programs. Like we had the best intentions with this, but it's hard. Like we have definitely watched too much TV. We have definitely like, you know, we've been trying to like support our favorite local Mexican restaurant. So we've definitely ordered takeout like probably too, too many times. And, you know, it is so hard. Um, and this is just the beginning, right? We're only like two weeks, three weeks into this. Um, the kids don't have school right now until April 28th, which is like to be determined for sure. So I think that's one thing Mike and I do have the luxury of like going to work and we can get like a little bit of a breather, but, but it's tough. It's really hard. And our kids, not to brag, but they are like literally phenomenal and they're so yeah. good. And they try to like listen to us when we like give them the COVID lectures, like this is for other people. We have to be selfless. And they're like, okay, thanks. 
but it is, it's hard. They're probably bored out of their minds and they probably want to see their friends. And I know Parker, my daughter misses school. She like talks about this koala project that she's had every single day. And it's, you know, so it's really stressful for them. And then something that's a little bit different that Mike and I have kind of taken on. We aren't wearing any of our scrubs in the house anymore. I used to like, I used to wear, you know, my scrubs or we'd like go out to dinner really quick in our scrubs or whatever. But from now on, we like put out a new laundry basket. So we will like de-gown in the garage and put all of mine and Mike's scrubs in one laundry basket. And now we're washing them daily separately in hot water. And then our shoes aren't coming in the house anymore. We have, we both have one designated pair of work shoes now, and those are staying in the garage. And so that's, I mean, I know that's like really small and silly, but you know, my father-in-law watches the kids and I got to strip down to like my spandex every day before I like come in. And, um, it's just an extra precaution that we're trying to take to keep us healthy and to keep the kids healthy and keep them safe because we are exposed. And, um, so, but it is hard. And like any mom who, or parent or stepmom, whatever mom, whoever, whoever is with their children right now, it's super hard. And I like definitely don't want anyone feeling guilty if they're like, you know, not doing like all the appropriate homeschooling, you know, from nine to five every day, because we set out with the best intentions and we have like yet to even start them. (laughs) But you're doing, I mean, I know your kids and I know you and Mike and you guys are amazing parents with really great kids. So I know, and you, aside from just being at home with the kids all the time, you have a lot on your plate, even just coming home from work and having to kind of, okay, think rationally. I got to desanitize everything so I don't expose. Um, And that's, that's a step a lot of those that aren't you know, necessarily out working right now, have to even consider about. or deal with, yeah, or think about. So yeah. um, it's, it's a lot, but I think I, I kind of want to close this on a positive note. Is there anything of everything that's going on? Is there anything positive potentially that's come, that's come about that you've seen? I know there's a lot of negative out there, but anything <laughs> good that's come of this experience? I've- Um, I think a lot of the good things that are coming, um, and this seems so like, you know, trivial and basic, but it's not like you, you are, you're getting to stay home with your family. It's like someone forcing you to like, just stay in your house, take care of the things that you have, you know, clean your house, organize your house, cook from home, spend time with your kids. You know, like I know Mike and I, you know, do the nine to five, busy, busy, busy. And then every once in a while, it's like, crap, we haven't done anything, like actually done anything with the kids. And we did do like a solitary hike. Like we chose one of the hikes that was really far out. This was a couple of days ago before they closed down all the trails and stuff. Um, you know, we hiked like nine miles with the kids and that's something like, we just probably wouldn't have had time to do or the energy to do or it's definitely the quality time with the family. I think it's definitely, I feel really strongly, like if you can quarantine, not out of fear and not out of hysteria and panic, but quarantine out of respect, like that's just a huge selfless decision that everybody should feel really proud of themselves for. Like take that as a positive note, like you and Ryan and everybody partaking in it, like you guys are making a difference towards helping people get better, even not as a healthcare worker, like you guys should all be really proud of that. 
I love that. Thank you. That's such a wonderful, positive note to end on, Becca. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to let you oh, get back to you. Mike and the kids. So, <laughs> thank you, Erin. I had fun. Yeah, and I'm so glad to see you in person virtually. I, <laughs> I miss you guys so much. I know. We miss you. Ugh. Well, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon we can, you know, see each I other in, in the flesh, right? And that was yeah, definitely. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> okay, well, take care. Stay healthy, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Erin. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.